The following podcast is brought to you by Babe Media. I'm Emma Clark. And I'm Kelsey Burdett. You know those people you follow that just seem to get it? They have the Instagram content that you actually watch. They own the brands that you just can't stop buying from. And they tell the stories you actually remember. The kinds of people that leave you wondering, how do they do that? Well, we follow them too. And we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of They Get It. Heads up, we are throwing a curveball at you this week. If you've been following along with They Get It for the past almost a year now, which is even just crazy to say, but if you've been following along with us, you'll be used to one episode per week, one brand, every conversation, and, you know, an overview story of how they started and grew their businesses. However, we are changing things up. This week is going to be the first week where we release three parts from an interview that we do with a guest about their business. And the intention here is to cut the conversation up into bite-sized, highly actionable segments that you can tune into really quickly when you're walking from your home to the grocery store or if it's a short drive or whatever it might be. So pay special attention. This week we have the founder, co-founder, of Tentry on the podcast, David Luba, which is an absolute pinch me moment for Emma and I. We've been fans of this brand for such a long time, and it's so amazing to peel back the layers and to hear about you know, the business and how it started, the kinds of stories that you don't often hear when you're in love with a brand because that means they're already at a certain size. So what you'll hear in this first episode is more about the Tentry founding story. You'll hear about the three co-founders or the two co-founders and bringing Derek in to run the business side of things. But then in part two, we're going to talk about carbon offsetting and tree planting, (laughs) vertical integration, the infinite game will cover it all. And finally, a couple of days later, we're going to release the final part, part three, where we're going to talk about retail strategy. And so stay tuned for all three parts. I'm excited to share this with you. And most of all, please, please, please let us know what you think of this new structure. Slide into the DMs, comment on our Instagram posts, do what you need to do to let us know if you like the three-part series. And with that, we'll welcome David Luba, the co-founder of Tentry. Welcome back to another episode. Today we have David Lupa with us, who is one of the co-founders of Tentree. David, thank you so much for being here. Thank you uh, so much for having me. We're super excited to get into everything, but before we get into the business talk, let's do a little icebreaker. Um, So as per usual, we pulled a we're not really strangers question. Today, the question is, and whoever wants to answer first can jump in, um, what lesson took you the longest to unlearn? That's a tough one. I have a bit, I already pulled the card, so I had a second to think about it. I can go first. <gasps> Cheater. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go. I think for me, um, it was that I need a routine. I do well with a routine. I, um, when I get into routine and I fall out of it, I totally notice the difference in my life. So I'm trying to keep in a good routine. That's mine. Creature of habit. 
So which took me the longest to unlearn? Um, you know, I, I think it is switching from skiing to snowboarding was a, a challenge. And I was really trying to kind of adapt to a new sport, but I kept kind of using those those um, skills from skiing and I found it really challenging to adapt. So I'd say it's my skiing skills. I did the opposite. I started snowboarding and I'm like, man, this is really tough. People who do both, they have my respect forever. I would say that mine... Not to get mushy gushy, but I honestly, I think I've just always been told that you have to like tough things out. And sometimes being vulnerable and like asking for help gets you a lot further in life. And so I'm slowly but surely unlearning that. Definitely not complete yet, but we're getting there. It's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So now let's pivot and start talking business. So David, before we dive into anything in more detail, tell us a little bit about how Tentry came to be and what it is. Yeah, so Ten Tree is a lifestyle apparel brand that plants 10 trees for every item purchased. We believe uh, there's an opportunity to make saving the planet simple, and we're empowering humanity to save the world through trees. Um, we started Ten Tree about 10 years ago. I was uh, going to school at the University of Hawaii, and everything we did was outside. We were hiking, we were biking, we weren't skiing, but we were really enjoying the, uh, the outdoors. And uh, one of my good friends came to visit me, and his background was in tree planting. Him and his brother had a tree planting company where they planted trees. They, they planted trees and those trees um, gave carbon credits. So these carbon credits were sold to large, um, large businesses that needed to offset their carbon. And we were having so much fun outdoors. We figured, why don't we create an, a brand that gives people the opportunity to give back to the environment through, uh, through purchasing and investing in, in a product. And that's how the idea of 10 tree started so we started uh with american apparel t-shirts we were mm-hmm. printing 10 tree we were printing one ton on a shirt because we planted enough trees to take one ton of carbon out of the air and the males were loving the one ton shirts the females not too much but we definitely <laughs> uh, we knew tree planting we didn't know uh the world of apparel so we, we've been drinking from a fire hose ever since no kidding. I mean, it is like a, a whole universe to get thrown into. I can only imagine. The other thing is like, I think we know American apparel is not super cheap. How did you guys even like, first of all, actually, before we go down that road, how did you decide that apparel was the right marriage between planting trees and then having a business? One was just strictly um, access to capital. You could start a, okay. an apparel brand fairly cheap. You can go down to the local screen printer, find a shirt and, and print your, your logo on it. Um, but the other thing was people really want to wear what they're proud of and what they stand for. And mm-hmm. the whole idea of making um, big change starting small, the idea of planting 10 trees for every item purchased, um, making saving the planet simple, we thought apparel made a lot of sense because people really wanted to wear wear it around and and uh, kind of show people what they stand stand it for. Yeah. Um, as as well, we wanted to bring a, a whole new angle to the environment. We, we wanted it to be uplifting, positive, inspirational. Because at this time, there was definitely a lot of talk about, and there still is about how the the environment is not getting any better. But we totally. wanted to, to grow optimism and create a positive brand. Love it. Love it. And then when you decided that apparel was the right route to go down, I mean, American apparel is not cheap. And I feel like having a really cool mission is like, obviously a good way to charge a premium price. But how did you manage that? How did you actually like scale the company and, and make a bunch of money from it? 
you know, early on, I like to say we, we, uh, we were a fully vertical operation. We did all of the design ourselves. We picked the blanks. We picked the screen printers. We picked it up uh, in, wow. in the back of the parents' vehicles. We took it to our basement. We hang-tagged it ourselves. We shipped it out of there. Um, so a, a lot of it at the beginning was us doing everything we could um, until it got to a point where we couldn't keep up. Um, there was one Christmas, our first Christmas after Dragon's Den, and we were packing the orders, shipping the orders, and we'd actually go to sleep and create little nests in the defective clothing because we couldn't stay up all night packing these clothing. So it was, wow. it was a pretty challenging situation. And um, never owning a business before, we definitely learned a lot of things the hard way uh, through yeah. trial and error. <laughs> That's hilarious. I can only imagine. I have a really funny picture of the three of you in your own little respective nests. And then people are like waking up, okay, I got the next shift. And then they're trying to pack all these boxes in time for Christmas. And one thing we were talking about off air is how I actually first became aware of Tentry. And I was literally, I think in my first year of university... I guess it might've been second year and I was going to a house party and I showed up and I swear everyone was in Tentry shirts and I had no idea what this was or what it meant. And I have to be honest, some of the people wearing these shirts didn't even know what the brand stood for. They just thought it was a cool shirt. And then I feel like there's a huge portion of your customers that bought it strictly because of the trees that you guys planted. What would you say was the most compelling reason for customers to buy from you? Without a doubt, it was the, the 10 trees that are planted. Yeah. Like if you look at any of that customer research we've done, any surveys, if you talk to the first hundred people that bought our product, it's because they loved the concept. Um, before we even started selling the product, we made an Instagram page and we talked all about 10 trees being planted. We got five 5,000 followers before we even launched. And, uh, wow. and the first few days, our sales were, were insane. They were off the hook. We were really excited about the trees we were planting. And then after that, it definitely dropped off right, right after we kind of got things going. And that's when we decided to start selling to brick and mortar stores to help get the brand out, out that way. But it was all about the storytelling because if we didn't have effective point of purchase or good hang tags, the product didn't sell the way um, it needed to at the beginning. So we really focused on that marketing and we saw like a, a major uptick once we, we started telling that story in a meaningful way. So tell me more about as you were building this out, like you said, it was so vertical from the start and then eventually you just couldn't keep up anymore. What were the first things you were looking to outsource? And that's a really good question, because I think the first thing we learned is you can't do everything. And that's just not a sustainable, scalable model. Um, I think the first thing we uh, we outsourced, that was uh, that was like one of the smartest things was our warehouse. So like our third party mm -hmm. logistics center, um, being able to keep track of inventory, ship the product on time, um, do that in an effective way made a lot of sense. Um, one thing as well, like early on that I think really um, has a lot to do with our success is defining people's roles. At the beginning, there were three of us and we were like, okay, what does everyone do? And shortly after we came up with the idea, we made, made Derek Emsley our CEO. And, and that was one of the best things we could have done for the business because otherwise it was just three of us always like butting heads over different ideas. <laughs> like, how are we gonna, are we gonna flip a coin or rock, paper, scissors? So it was really good to, mm -hmm. to get these like uh, identifiable roles as, before we kind of started rocking and rolling. Talk to me about the personality dynamics between the three of you. Like if you were to, to describe how each of you are and how you work together, what would that look like? I'd say Derek keeps uh, us uh, on track. He's the responsible yeah. one. He's he's very like um, analytical. He's always kind of like thinking like longer term. 
Kalen's definitely the more creative, like, like very creative, very uh, loves his photography. Um, and then I'd say I'm just a little bit more like, I, I like having a good time. I like being social. I'm the sales guy. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think we have a really good dynamic kind of between, between the three of us, but that's, that's how I would describe kind of um, each and every one of us. You've got all your bases covered for three friends that just happened to start a company. You're you're pretty well balanced, I'd say. You know, we've been pretty fortunate to uh, have been doing it this long and and still being working together and like in such a good good manner. Okay, so throughout your partnership, were there any moments where you were thinking, "Is this partnership going to work going forward?" Like, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced as a team? You know, one moment there was about three months after we started. Um, we consolidated all of our orders through Excel. So Derek was the one who consolidated all the orders. He had these crazy formulas and uh, and he missed consolidating one major account order. So at the end of, of six months later, we have to deliver this product. And the store phones us. They're like, hey, our product didn't ship. We're like, yeah, we'll go look in our system. And we realized we didn't produce like 6,000 items <gasps> for this store. So at that moment, we were all like new kind of like entrepreneurs, new business leaders. And we we're like, this can't happen. Whose fault was this? All right. What's going on here? Yeah. And and Derek missed consolidating it. And this is very um, uncharacteristic of Derek. Like Derek is an absolute Excel whiz. Uh, when Derek, I remember Derek first started with us. He comes up to me, comes up to my computer and he unplugs my mouse. And he says, what are you doing using your mouse on Excel? You've got to learn all the hotkeys. So this guy mm-hmm. knows Excel. He didn't let us use our mouse. We'd always have to use our keys in Excel. And it, it forced us to get much, much better um, in a fast matter of time. Anyways, after that, there was quite the argument. We were like, hey, what are we going to do to rectify the situation? What, this account's asking for their, their product. So we put our heads together and we decided we were going to bake them a cake. We were going to send them a cake in the mail from Saskatchewan and a note saying, we screwed up. This is our fault. We're going to own it. This is what happened. But we're going to make your product. We're going to give give you a discount. We're going to make sure we show up well in your store. When we do launch, it'll be six months late. But we use it as an opportunity to try to make us stand out and rise up um, uh, higher than kind of the, the other organizations. And it was kind of corny, kind of cheesy. Um, but at the end of the day, it worked really well. And, and they phoned us laughing and they said, you know, no one's ever baked us a cake before, let alone shipped <laughs> it across the country. So we definitely uh, made lemonade out of le- lemons. But that was like one kind of moment where early on we were all sweating pretty hard. <laughs> no kidding. That's hilarious. I'm going to steal that. Whenever someone asks advice for what to do when they mess up, I'm just going to tell them to bake a cake. <laughs> Oh, exactly. And it also lightens the mood, too. We're like, are we really going to make some cake? So it, uh, it was a good time. It, it, was, it was a good, uh, good thing. Yeah, I read some numbers on you guys. Like, obviously, you guys, you launched 2013, or was that just Dragon's Den? So we came up with the idea late 2011. Okay. Uh, we were, like, selling T-shirts and tank tops out of the back of our car then. In 2012 okay. is when we, like, formally kind of launched our business. And even okay. for the first like two years, it was still like three of us kind of doing everything. So it wasn't like we started a, a real company with like a ton of investment right out of the gates. Um, and then we aired on Dragon's Den uh, October 3rd, 2012 is when we aired. And, and that really kind of exposed us to a lot of people. No kidding. Oh my gosh. Dragon's Den is so good for that. Um, I remember watching on social, looking at how many trees you guys had planted. How many trees are you at now? 
we're at over 60 million trees. Wow. I literally cannot imagine. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like our, our goal is to plant 1 billion trees by 2030. Yeah. And uh, these, these trees are having an incredible impact around the world. They're lifting thousands of people out of poverty. They're restoring um, animal habitats. They're providing food because they're fruit trees in, in many areas. So there's a lot of really cool benefits that these trees are having around the, the planet. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I know we're going to get into the sustainability piece a little more later in the episode. So I have one more Dragon's Den question. Obviously, at the time, I'm sure it really moved the needle for your business. Looking back now, 10 years later, do you think if you hadn't been on Dragon's Den, you would be where you are today? No, you know, you know, I, I think um, actually, you know, I, Dragon's Den had a, had a major impact on our business um, in a few different ways. One is it exposed us to a million people like right out of the gates. Um, two is it taught us to get our financials together. Like when you started business at the beginning, you're kind of running in all different directions, like I mentioned before, trying to do everything, trying to make it happen on a shoestring budget. And they asked us, like, we want to see your financials for your first three months. We want to see your income statement, your balance sheet, your cash flow. We didn't really have this um, in, in the way that an investor would like to look at it. So it really forced us to get our act together. Hmm. And that was one of the best things that happened from us being on Dragon's Den is giving wow. us that push to get our financials figured out. And I think that was just as impactful, um, if not more impactful than us actually getting the brand exposed to a million people, because then we could go to sleep at night understanding where we were. So that's so important for anyone starting a business out there is right from day one, make your financials your top priority. Wow. Good advice. I've got one more question, and then I think we can jump into some of the quick hit questions. Um, but you also had a pretty impactful Earth Day campaign, and I want you to talk about this. So give us the premise. Talk about the fact that if you got likes, you would plant trees. And then what kind of impact did you guys see from that as a business? Yeah, every Earth Day, we try to think of unique ways we can we can make the, the world uh a better place and plant more trees. Uh, last Earth Day, we came came up with this Planet Partners campaign where we partnered with a lot of groups and we, we planted trees with groups such as Wilson Sports and, and True Earth. Um, in 2018, we came up with the idea to make the world's most sustainable post. And the goal was for every 10 likes, we would plant a tree and we would cap it at a, a certain number. And uh, I remember I was on vacation, actually, back in Hawaii when, when this launched on Earth Day, because it's right around my birthday, and I typically go to Hawaii in, in, in April. And we woke up, and I looked at this post, and I thought there was an error. I thought I wasn't looking at this right. I kept refreshing it, and every, uh, every few minutes, it was going up by tens of thousands of likes. So we got 50, over 15 million likes on this post. This post contributed to over 5 million trees planted. Um, in Indonesia. So we're planting trees in Indonesia. Um, and these trees are getting planted in areas that were um, deforested for palm oil. Um, so we're planting mangrove trees there, um, which is pretty incredible. But it was the world's most sustainable post. And it, it was shared. We were up there with like Jay-Z and the Kardashians. And shortly after that, we came up with a follow-up post that was the tree sapling on fire because it was right around the time when the Amazon was burning down. Oh, so we yeah. raised uh, we raised proceeds from every share or every comment to donate to the Amazon uh, forest fire. So it was a pretty successful few months of uh, sustainable social media posts. And yeah. from my knowledge, I don't think anyone's made a, 
a very sustainable post uh, like that um, kind of before that. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, no kidding. Because not only is it giving you an opportunity to further give back, but you're also, it's just great marketing. Like how else are you going to get a post to that many millions of likes? So smart. Um, Very smart. Yeah. Yeah. We'd much rather invest in like tree planting than some celebrity endorsement that costs an arm and a leg. So Mm -hmm. uh, we were all pretty happy with the, the impact that that post was able to have on this planet. Oh yeah. That's a very smart social idea. Maybe some people listening can get some ideas from you and, and make some sustainable posts themselves. It's awesome. It's true. Yeah. I can't take any of the credit. Our marketing team is incredible. So. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. So let's jump into some of the quick hit questions. We'll keep it short. We'll keep it to four. Um, the first one, I'm very curious about this. What's the last book you read? Uh, the Infinite Game. So I'm not sure if you've read it, but I highly recommend it. Uh, yeah. Infinite Game. Yeah, that was actually a big concept in Shopify this year. In the book, they, they chat about like Roger's video, Blockbuster, and how they were, they they survived and they, they thrived on providing movies for individuals at home. Okay, and yes. as soon as Netflix came, came along, like they did that much better than Roger's and Blockbuster. So they mm-hmm. definitely took a lot of market share there. They talked about uh, Garmin as well, GPS mm-hmm. maps, and Google Earth came, Google Maps came along oh, yeah. and really took took Garmin out. So the whole kind of concept about this book is you really got to be thinking about the future. You got to be thinking, for instance, Tentry, okay, we exist to plant trees. Maybe Tentry needs to evolve. And like, what is that next thing that we can do to plant trees that doesn't involve the product? So it's all about thinking about what's next and mm-hmm. how can you evolve to deliver what your brand promise has uh, to be that much better in a more unique way. So I highly recommend yeah. checking out the the Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Love Simon Sinek. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, next question. What's a brand other than your own that you're really into right now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'm a big fan. I like Allbirds. I think what they've done with with the shoes and and shoes, there hasn't been a brand in a while that kind of came to that space with one skew with a sustainable message that took the market by by storm. So I'm a big, uh, big Allbirds fan. aren't they great? We were even going shoe shopping, my boyfriend, and he was wearing Allbirds when we went into other shoe stores and people were literally stopping him, asking him where he got his shoes. So they're just doing a killer job. Yeah. And I think they do a great job. You go into their retail spaces, they've got like some of the materials up on the walls and they really show you how they they bring that product to life. So I'm I'm a big Allbirds fan. Okay. And final question is, who do you think gets it? Who do I think gets it? From a brand pers- perspective, person like anything. Who do you look? F- who do you draw inspiration from? You know, I draw in- inspiration from my wife. Like she is an incredible person. She's super caring. She definitely gets it. Um, we're expecting a newborn early on in the year, so she's definitely my hero. And I draw oh. draw inspiration from her. Oh yeah, no better answer, honestly. Now she has to listen to this. She's probably upstairs <laughs> listening. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Not too loud. Yeah, I love it. Okay, David, we're going to wrap it here, but thank you so much for going through part one, kind of the background story of Tentry. I thought I knew a lot about you guys, but I still learned so much. I'm excited for part two and three. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. It's been a pleasure, and uh, it's great kind of hearing about how you you both found out about Tentry as well. Like, it's been uh, <laughs> a pretty wild ride, and we're, we're fortunate to have so many amazing supporters uh, kind of elevating Tentry to the next level and really helping plant those billion trees I was talking about. So we're, we're pretty fortunate. Okay, part one of the Tentry mini series complete. 
Be sure to rate and review They Get It on Apple Podcasts if you can. We always love a good rating and review. It helps new people find out about They Get It, and it helps us bring on big guests like Tentry. So remember to send us a DM, let us know what you think of this mini-series, and stay tuned for part two with David Luba, where we talk all things tree planting and the future of Tentry. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in a couple of days.